Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, night protection services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause hey guys welcome to another episode of surviving to thriving today i have with me roman miranoff and he is a relationship coach in toronto canada he helps people create amazing and enviable relationships he has been into self-improvement for over a decade and brings his best ideas and tools to people he works with Roman is all about teaching insanely actionable strategies for happier relationships, and you can contact him on his website, which will be in the show notes. Roman, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hi. Let's just jump right into it. Where did you grow up, and what was it like growing up for you? Actually, I grew up back in the Soviet Union, USSR, in Russia, but it was, Russia was a part of the USSR back then. So it was, it was a very big country. But even though it was a big country, yeah, it was pretty tough back then. <laughs> you know, one of the experiences that I, I keep remembering is how I had to buy bread. I was born in 1982 and about, well, let's say I was about eight years old and I had to go buy bread. And I would, I would go to about four gro- grocery stores. So I would come to the first one and there's no bread. The second one, no bread. The third one, no bread. The fourth one, there is bread, but there is a line that's, you've never seen a line like that. Well, it's a, you know, like a Black Friday line on a normal day. So yeah, we had shortage of goods. We were challenged in so many ways back then and really, really limited opportunities. And the time after the fall of the Soviet Union was very, very painful for, for most people. But thankfully, not for my parents, because my parents, they really, they took care of us. They worked a lot. They looked for opportunities and they, yeah, they ended up being quite well in this situation. Although I would say that about in that period of time in the history of Russia, only one family out of four was just in as good shape as we were back then. So I'm, I'm very thankful for, for my parents in this sense. Definitely. So you grew up in Russia and did you do all of your schooling there? Did you, you guys obviously left at some point cause you're in Canada now. So did you do schooling there? Did you guys move to do college and things like that? Okay. Yeah, I did. Not only did I do schooling there, and 14 years of work as a professional translator, but I actually moved to Canada just last year. <laughs> so I'm a newcomer, still a newcomer. I am by myself here because I have a son, I have an ex-wife and they're in Russia. They, they don't have any plans to come to Canada anytime soon. So what was school like? I mean, a majority of our listeners are in America. so. They weren't even alive when the the Soviet Union fell. So what was school like before and after? And were there a lot of struggles that you had to go through trying to deal with the fall? 
I think that my parents actually made it, you know, relatively easy for me to go through the situation. So I, I think I was quite better, pretty much better, doing pretty much better than like my peers. But here's one thing. I went to a pretty good school, a very decent school. And, you know, I, I would say that I was maybe in the top 10% in this sense, meaning that I had the privilege, I had this, you know, the, the pleasure and the privilege of going to that school because otherwise so many the other 90% that were in schools that were in a much better shape there, I mean, in much worse, in a much worse shape because there were not enough money. Like the infrastructure has been, you know, falling apart since the fall of the Soviet Union. And now it is in even worse than it used to be back in the 90s, for example. One of the challenges that I had to fight, <laughs> fight with during my school years was I was extremely shy, extremely shy. And I remember that in my freshman year at, at college, I wasn't even able to go into the canteen so shy I was because uh, I wasn't able to sit there because I had all this like paranoidal thoughts that everyone was watching me and they were watching me as I was eating and which of course made no sense absolutely but this was you know going to college was such a new environment for me that you know it triggered even more of my shyness so I, I would really I would really do something embarrassing like go into the canteen buy something very basic and just take it and eat it I don't know in the hallway or sometimes even in the bathroom so shy I was. Wow. <laughs> you don't seem very shy now, so we're able to overcome that at some point, which is awesome. So you just moved away from Russia last year. So did you go to college or I know a lot of countries call it university. Did you take that path or did you go straight into the workforce? Yeah. Yeah. I did five years at the university, which is an equivalent of a master's degree here in the US or okay. in Canada. What did you get your master's in? Uh, it is teaching English language and literature. And that's, that's how I became a professional translator. Okay. Yeah, because I studied English. Gotcha. Did you, so did you open your own company or did you work for another company? Yes, I started by, started by working for, for a company for eight months, but then I, then I quit and, you know, created my own company pretty small one and uh i'm so thankful for that because yeah actually i did it with another with a partner and he, he's a very great guy and we were so lucky back then because there was such a huge demand for translation it was incredible we didn't even you know like open officially and we already had more work that we could handle wow <laughs> yeah and, and it's, it's basically it has continued for for many many years Awesome. So are you still doing that on the side or have you passed that on to somebody? Basically, I passed it on. I'm sort of engaged in it, more on the consulting side and helping them with things like vendor management, but I'm not actively involved anymore. Gotcha. So for translating, do you, do you guys actually go to like events and translate or do you do subtitle work on videos? What, what do you do with that? Yeah. 
what I like about it is that there are two actually two words, translate and interpret, right? So the, the translator is the one who sits in, in front of the computer and goes, <laughs> types on their keyboard. And the interpreter is the one who translates at the events, actually interprets at the events, like a synchronous interpreter. That's the distinction. Gotcha. So you guys do the behind the keyboard work. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So how did you go from a translator to a relationship coach? That's quite a long story, I would say. The first thing was that I've always been into self-development and I'm a huge fan of, you know, materials, audio, video tags by people like Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Wayne Dyer, and Stephen Covey and all those people. I, I feel like I'm so inspired when I l- listen to them and I read the, their work. And I've been like that for more than 10 years. That was one thing that made me become a coach because I, I really want to share my passion with other people. Share it. And as I work with my clients, I see that being passionate, being so like, it's like I, I want to, I want to grow all the time. And I don't, I don't feel like by growing just myself, I don't feel like that's enough for me. I want, <laughs> I want to see other people around grow with me. Not, not with me, but I mean, I, I want that, I, I want that growth in other people as well. It's not that like I'm forcing it onto them, but if they want to, I'm happy to help. That was one thing. The, other thing was my my painful divorce i i was with my ex-wife for for a total of 11 years and i was i was so bad at relationships i you know totally bad and i ruined my marriage i ruined it by basically by two things i i was a workaholic so i, I just focused on work and Never didn't think about, you know, making my relationship work. And the second thing is that I didn't know anything about women. No one taught me and I didn't teach myself. So I, I treated my ex-wife as, as if she were a man, which was a total disaster. And of course, like, uh, I thought that she was logical, <laughs> like myself. And so I... Because of that divorce, I, I went th- through a lot of pain and I said, okay, okay, so here's the deal. I, I hadn't known anything about relationships and then I caused myself a lot of pain. So these two things, they, they, they mean something, right? And I thought that like the connection was so obvious, so simple that I should have done, I should have done so much better, but I, I didn't. And that's when I, I realized, and I suffered as a result of it. So what I thought is that people, a lot of people suffer from it. A lot of people suffer because they don't pay enough attention to their relationships. And, and I said, wait, wait a minute. People don't have to suffer like this. So that was another big reason for me to become a coach. And then after going through a divorce, I went into the dating world. I started dating. I started learning, applying, you know, all the information by myself, learning by, you know, uh, learning based on my own mistakes. And I also wanted to use that knowledge because 
in that period of time between my divorce and and now I like yeah I accumulate a lot of knowledge I wanted to share it with people <laughs> yes so did you you know listen to a lot of podcasts or did you do a lot of like in-depth scholarly research like where did you find the information that you're now giving to other people i think there are there were two biggest areas the first one is books i'm all about books and even though i i prefer to listen to them as audio but it's still the first one was books and and the second one was really really going out and testing everything like really understanding how women feel what they react to what they like in a man how relationships work what works what doesn't so really really i was about you know being as practical as possible so you got to this point where you wanted to share this knowledge and you'd already had that experience of running a, a small business but was there a point where you felt that this may not work or that people may not want to listen to you? And how did you overcome that? Hmm, that's a great question. Yeah, of course. Of course, I went through, through a period of uncertainty, yeah, quite a lot of uncertainty, especially because that was a huge shift for me, you know, from someone who sits in front of the computer all of the day and, and types away on the keyboard to a, to a person who actually works in person, face-to-face with other people. That was difficult. Like we were talking about my shyness. This was something to help my shyness because the more I talked to other people, the less shy I became. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of uncertainty. And one thing that kept me going was really knowing that this is my passion. I'm pursuing my life mission right now. And, you know, I kept visualizing my goal, which was building my coaching practice. I kept visualizing it in the morning and in the evening and sometimes to the point that i felt like i was living in the future already because i always do it in the present tense i say that i i would say that i'm a coach i have this number of clients i help this client you know find their love of their life or i i help this client you know have a better relationship with their kids like this so i visualization helped me a lot it's important a hundred percent agree. You always have to, you have to visualize and conceptualize where you want to be or it will not come to light. So I definitely agree with that. And also when you do that, then it'll accumulate quicker, right? It'll, it'll show up faster and you'll be able to, yeah. you know, do all of those things. Can you tell me a story of or, or t- you know, something where your first client and you had that break where it was like, yes, I know that I can do this because this is the person I helped and, and this is, you know, this is going to be something that I want to do. And, and kind of like, what was that emotion like as well? Excellent question. Actually, the emotion was unbelievable because I can't even describe it. So I, I, ha- I had this client who wanted to, stop his porn addiction and masturbation. And it was such a huge challenge for him. He had it for dozens of years. And he actually, before we had started working with him, he did not believe that he could, you know, break away from it because it was so difficult. And 
our goal was to go to 60 days of no porn and no masturbation. And we, we met each day. So we had both coaching sessions and what's called daily check-ins for accountability. And so, yeah, actually at the beginning, he had a relapse at, at, at day four, which was, I was scared. I thought, wow, this is going to be even more difficult than I thought. But then he went right to day 60. And I mean, and, and like every day when we had this daily check-in, he used to, he used to say that, no, I don't believe that I'm here. I don't believe that I'm at this point. Because before that, he had been able to abstain from this addiction just for nine days. That, that was his record. And then he said, I, I don't believe it. I, 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 can't, I can't really believe it that it's happening. And, you know, being that kind of force for good in a person's life who helps them, you know, break from something that plagued their life for, for dozens of years, that's, that's huge. That's huge. I mean... It's so much worth it. It's not, the, the money is good, but the fulfillment that comes from it, it's, you know, there are not that many things that you can compare it with. Definitely. So when you got back out on the dating scene, you said, you know, that you, you tested all of these different things and, you know, every magazine has the top 10 relationship tips. What were a few of the things that, did not work, will never work, absolutely don't listen to them, and then make some that, you know, these are some good tips to use. Exactly. I, I think just a couple of days ago, I was talking to a client, helping him improve his relationship with his wife. And I told him that basically a lot of the programming that we get from, from those magazines and, you know, culture in general, it doesn't work. And like I said, there are four, four qualities that men think are important to women and those are social status loyalty money and looks yeah like these four qualities everyone everyone says they are important like looks are important to women but they they are important but they are not the most important there are qualities that actually draw women to men much better like confidence humor not being needy being detached these qualities are way, way more important and no one talks about them. No one talks about them, especially, this is especially happening in, in our culture. As we can see in the way that men gradually become less masculine with time because masculinity is, is quite often getting laughed at. So one, that's definitely one big stereotype, one big myth of our current culture. This is something as a relationship coach I have to help my clients with. This is illogical, but yeah, that's what's happening. We need to teach guys to remember things that they are supposed to know, but they never, never learn them as they grow up. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. And one of the series that we do on the, on the podcast is, you know, talking to men about why they think men, you know, become abusive. And, you know, a lot of it does stem from childhood trauma and childhood abuse. But what is the difference between, you know, this guy who went through 
this childhood trauma and this guy went through this childhood trauma and one doesn't become an abuser and one does. Um, and so I, I, I'd love to get your perspective on that, even though we're not doing that part of the, the series in this episode, but you know, I think it's still really important to get a male perspective on that. So do you have maybe some insight into why that is the way it is? You know, I, I don't have any hands-on experience for that because I don't work with things like that. I'm since I'm, I'm a coach, I'm not a therapist, you know, but I would say that one thing that I like is that even though a person, a guy might have psychological trauma, they might be lucky enough to have a mentor in their life growing up. It might take even one person telling them that they're powerful beyond their measure and that one thing could change their entire life because they will feel significant. They will feel that they do have that power. So having a mentor, finding a mentor. So maybe this could be a pretty practical tip for any single moms listening to to, to the podcast. So having a male mentor for your kid could be a very good idea. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, even in everyday life in, in business in, in, you know, all of it, whether you were, uh, you know, had a trauma or not, I think having someone there to guide you through, you know, life is really important because life is incredible and horrible and awesome and all, all these different like major emotions all at the same time. And, you know, we are not a, a species that thrives on being alone. We thrive on social interactions and, and things like that. So it's definitely, I think, uh, a huge thing to have a mentor in your life for sure. So, especially women. Yes. Especially women, by the way, they, they thrive on social you know, interaction even more than men. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> definitely. So what are some tips that you give to your clients? Like maybe it's the first meeting that you ever have with them and you're trying to figure out, you know, what the, the problem is and you send them home with some actionable steps to take. What are a couple of those? Hmm. Okay. So in terms of relationships, I think my tips that I would send clients with are, uh, I will start with something very basic because if it's one of the first sessions, this will be something basic because I'm still getting to know the client and I don't want to give any, any serious advice that might be actually, you know, be detrimental for them. So, okay. That said, something practical would be having this, what I call an executive meeting. So this is how it goes. When you want to criticize your partner or your spouse during the week, let's say on, on Monday, you don't do that. You write it down. You never criticize your husband or your wife during the week. So comes Saturday or Sunday, you go out with them. So you have your list of criticism and they have their list of criticisms. You sit down and you discuss them and you take turns. So at first, let's say you go and you take 30 minutes to say all those things that you accumulated during the week. And then you thank your partner for listening to you, not interrupting you. It's very important not interrupt. And then they take their turn. 
And keeping this criticism limited to this one hour, not at home, but at a cafe or in the park, whatever, but not at home, it really, really makes a big difference. It, it trains your mind not to criticize at home and really, really not to criticize because, yeah, because you, you, you just developed this habit of putting it off until the weekend. I like that. I think that's a really, um, especially, you know, if you're in a, a point in your relationship where there's a lot of strain and you feel like all you're doing is fighting, which chances are, if that's, you know, where you are in your marriage, they're coming to see someone like you. So that's definitely a, a great first step. And um, it'll definitely work for the women that are listening to this podcast as well as they get out onto the dating scene, because they're going to, one, need a lot of forgiveness from their partners, as well as their partner giving them forgiveness because they're still, you know, healing from trauma. And, you know, there are things that may have really, you know, like set you off in a different relationship, but you can't hold that against the next person because... Not carries that baggage. Because it's like, yeah, you, you, you can't expect someone else to not feel feelings that were straining your other marriage. And so, yes, um, or other relationships. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that is a very logical and also attainable first step for somebody. Yeah, it's very doable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... We talked a little bit about it, um, but you moved to Canada this past year. And what was that like? What was the reason behind wanting to leave Russia? And then also you said that you had this lifelong dream of living in North America. So what was that dream and why was the dream North America? And, and then what was the process like of, of leaving? Yes. So the dream comes from the fact that I went to work in Alaska almost 20 years ago, and I loved it. So that there was a huge contrast between Russia and and the U.S. So I really fell in love with the place, and I decided that I wanted to live in North America. So when a chance came, I went to Canada. And the other big reason is that, frankly, Canada is one of the top countries in the world, and Russia is... Russia is a third world country. It has a lot of its advantages. It does. And I love it. I will love it. You know, I lived there for 36 years. I will love it to my death. But in terms of opportunities, in terms of quality of life, Russia can't compete with Canada. That's the reason. That's the reason. I I came here because I want to create a better future for my son, even though he's in Russia now. But uh, I do think that if he has like this opportunity to come here in the future, he'll appreciate it. And I also want to create a new family here. And the process of coming here was challenging in some ways, especially I, I struggled with finding, you know, a good place to live during the first few months. That was one thing because I was doing Airbnb most of the time for three months and some, some of those places that were pretty d- depressing, frankly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm still grateful that finally I settled down. And 
the other thing that made it very challenging is true is that I, I miss my family and my friends back in Russia a lot, a lot because you know it's probably easier to move like I did for a person who is like 20 years old or 25 but at 36 when I moved I guess that, that was more challenging for me and especially because I'm so attached to people the love is my one of my top needs probably the main need and I, I really felt like I was there was lack of love and connection in my life yeah but it's better now it's better now definitely yeah definitely so what were some things that you used to like when you felt homesick when you felt lonely or anything what were some things that you did to kind of boost your mood or get out of that depression because you know the women that are listening to this and and some men for sure but you know a lot of times the reason that they keep going back to domestic violence relationships is because that, you know, what they know, at least they, you know, they have that attraction to that person or that attachment. And so what do you do to kind of detach yourself from those emotions to, you know, start building your life here and, and start, you know, a new process? I would give two tips. The first one was getting to know the place and really like owning it. I'm a fan of riding a bike, so I took my bike to different areas around Toronto, so I got to really learn. I got familiar with Toronto. So I really spent time building this new life, not just sitting at my apartment, but really going out and, yeah, creating that new life for myself, not hiding from it. That was one thing. You can't heal if you're just, you know, sitting here deep in your thoughts and you're thinking about your trauma, you're thinking about how painful it was, it won't help. So you, I, I'm really a big fan of getting out there and putting yourself out there and really engaging with the new stage of your life. And the second thing is, you know, um, since I'm trained by Tony Robinson, he has this beautiful tool that is called the triad. And I use it all the time and it helps me a lot. So here's how you use it. It consists of three things. So physiology, language, and focus. The basic idea is that you change how you feel by changing these three things. So for physiology, if you're standing with your shoulders slumped and you, you don't smile, you look very sad, this will affect your emotions. But if you straighten your back, if you smile, if you smile, you dance a little bit, you sing, you feel better. That's how physiology affects our emotion. So you feel better. That's one thing. The second thing is the meaning that you assign to events. So for example, you had a psychological trauma. Let's like sexual abuse. You can say that. You can say to yourself, I'm a victim and this will make you feel better. Now, better depressed, of course. This will make you feel depressed. But if you reframe that and you say that, okay, yeah, I went through that abuse, but it made me stronger, right? My choice is, yeah, that's painful, but suffering is, is optional. I'm, I'm going to, to choose not to go through suffering. And I will actually use the pain to help other people. Because the pain may be better, it may be more empathetic, and that, that is something that I will use to help other people. 
So you change the meaning with a refrain. And the third thing is you need to create something that you focus on. I, I usually create uh, a focus for my day in the morning. So for example, this is usually something great that happened to me yesterday, the day before. And uh, I, I keep it in, in a Google presentation, all those three things. So, and I keep it in, before me all the time. So I focus on it even like physically. I see. So for example, I, it shouldn't be something very big. Like, for example, yesterday I, I took another bike, another bike ride and I found that there is, um, there is another branch of a bank of my bank near me that I, I, I've never seen. And it's very, it's actually very convenient for me. And I was, I was pretty happy about it. So this is what I did for my focus for today. So I created a screenshot of Google Maps showing this branch on the map. Yeah. And I, I keep it in front of me the entire day and it reminds me. So I focus on this rather than like negative thoughts. So these three things again, physiology, meaning and focus. I love it. I mean, I, I'm a, a huge fan of Tony Robbins. So I think, you know, a lot of that is good stuff. And I think that it's very practical for our listeners, for sure. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the main thing is to, to actually use it, not just listen to it, okay? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's our, our big problem as humans. Definitely. I definitely well, agree with that. So we are getting close to wrapping up. But I just want to make sure that I hit all the points that you wanted to make. And if there was anything that you felt I missed to kind of reiterate anything that you wanted to. No, no, no. I think I really, I really thank you for the great questions. Maybe the, the last thing I will say is that relationships are so important. This is a very important area of our life. And, you know, we spend... Let's say we spend eight hours, at least eight hours working, right? But we often end up spending zero hours working on our relationship. This doesn't make sense. You need to spend a few hours a day on your relationship, whichever form you choose, but you need to. If you don't, you're going to lose it one day or the other. I agree. Yeah, I think that's very true. So we've got a few questions that we ask all of the guests that come on here. So the first one is, what would the new you say to the old you? I told you, I told you, you would make it. <laughs> I love it. I think that, you know, it's simple and it's very powerful though, because, you know, it's one thing to say it, but then to actually live it is a whole nother thing. So True. that's awesome. I know we talked a little bit about it and you, you gave one example, but what is something that you can tell our audience um, to get them through a tough time, whether it's meditation or, you know, bike rides, like you said, uh, what, what's something to get you through a tough time? It's going to be a simple tip. Be with other people because it's very simple to do. It's very easy to do. That's the main point because with other things, you might find them too difficult, but this one is easy. Yeah, do it, do it. And it helps. It helps because just, just like you said, we're, we're social creatures. We need social interaction and it helps us a lot. Definitely. A hundred percent agree. What are your goals for the next 12 months? I want to be more joyful. I want to dance more. Actually, the, this is what I say to myself. I, I laugh wildly, dance crazily and smile widely. That's my goal for the next 12 months. 
I love it. I think that that is, you know, so important for people to remember to have fun in life. You forget to have to do that, then are you really living? Exactly. Because we're so busy these days, right? I mean, not these days, but our culture like teaches us to be busy all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is there a book, podcast, ebook, audiobook that you would recommend to our listeners? Actually, my three favorite books I always recommend are Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, and what's the name of the book by Louise Hay? You Can Heal Your Life. That's the name of the book. Perfect. Finally, where can people find you if they want to hear more about you or learn more from you? Please go to my website, which is www.romanmiranov.com, spelled as R-O-M-A-N-M-I-R-O-N-O-V.com. And yeah, you can go from there, especially if you choose to contact me for a no-fee breakthrough session. It's completely free. And if we have the session and you choose to go with my coaching, I will be happy to give you a 30% discount if you say that you came from surviving to thriving. Awesome. I love it. I love when um, my guests are able to provide things like that to my audience. So guys, take them up on it and make sure you head over to his website and book that call. So Roman, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been awesome and I've learned a lot. So thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O, thriving, A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.